0: Here we are with Brendan Farmer, Polygon co-founder and one of the brains behind Polygon CK EVM. Brendan, thanks so much for joining me and welcome to the Defiant Podcast.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm really excited for
0: it. Yeah, so um, super excited for this conversation. Of course, Polygon is and has been at the forefront of scaling Ethereum, uh, and you've been uh, behind a lot of the intense technology and development that's required to make this happen. Um, so yeah, I can't wait to get into uh, the latest. Uh, but before we do that, I'd love to just get everyone on the same page on, on just the very basics. And if you could go over what Polygon is, and also just clarify uh, what the difference is between all the different pieces of Polygon, which there there are a few, like there's a, a Polygon Proof-of-Stake chain, Polygon CKEVM, Polygon Zero, Maiden. Um, I don't know anything, any other chains I might have missed. So yeah, if you can just like get us all on the same page on that.
1: Yeah, sure. So Polygon is a project that's focused on scaling Ethereum. And that project began with the Polygon POS chain, which is a side chain that's secured by validators and has increased the capacity available to to the Ethereum ecosystem. Um, The sort of latest chain that that Polygon has has released is Polygon ZKVM, which is a a full ZKL2 um, that we released last year. Um, But I think the best way to look at Polygon is as two things. So it's CDK and then the ag layer, the aggregation layer. And so CDK is Polygon's chain development kit, and it's a technology stack that allows anyone to spin up uh, a ZKL2 on top of Ethereum. So uh, in the future, Polygon POS, Polygon ZKVM, they'll all use the CDK tech stack, as will a bunch of other chains that are entering the ecosystem. So uh, OKX, Astar, Manta, uh, Doge Chain, I believe is, uh, mm-hmm. is coming on, and so, uh, CDK basically powers this ecosystem of uh, individual ZKL2s that exist on top of Ethereum. And then AgLayer is what connects all of those ZKL2s and unifies liquidity and state and users across all those chains.
0: Mm, got it. Okay. And then um, where does Polygon Zero and Polygon Maiden fit in?
1: Yeah, so, so Polygon Zero is my team. Um, we were uh, acquired by Polygon in 2021. Um, so it's a team that I co-lead with Daniel Lubrov. And we were focused on uh, sort of cutting-edge ZK R&D, so taking the underlying ZK technology and making it really, really fast. Um, Polygon Maiden is focused on uh, building a new execution environment that's sort of ZK-friendly and does really cool things like privacy and client-side proving. Um, I, I think the right way to look at those two teams is as contributing technology that goes into CDK. So I, hmm. using CDK, you, you can choose whether you want to use a, a ZKVM or in the future, whether you want to use Maiden or you know a, a, other execution environments eventually too. Um, and so I, I, I think I would look at them less as uh, like individual products. And more as teams that are working to contribute to this unified ecosystem.
0: Okay, super interesting. So, if um, the main pieces of Polygon, as you described, is this developer toolkit to spin up uh, different Ethereum layer twos, and then the ag layer is a way to unify all those layer twos, then Polygon CK EVM and Polygon Proof of Stake. Would be, you know, uh, two chains that are kind of examples of what others can do with the the Polygon uh, development kit. Like, I guess, like, those would be like the first two chains developed by Polygon's development kit. But the idea is that there will be a bigger ecosystem of uh, many layer twos that people can spin up with Polygon technology. Is that
1: right? I think that's exactly right. Um, the Polygon POS chain might take a little while longer to migrate to the ZK ecosystem, just because there's a lot of activity and there's a separate bridge and it's complex to, to make sure that we can do that without uh, putting any funds at risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but certainly ZKVM is like the prototype CDK chain, and there are going to be a lot of CDK chains uh, launching throughout this year.
0: Okay, got it. And then, um... Polygon proof of stake is that actually an Ethereum layer two, or should it be seen as its own separate chain? I, I've seen kind of this debate.
1: Yeah, so so this was an infamous debate, and and <laughs> I remember uh, when we were uh, thinking about joining Polygon, this was like it was like, you know,
0: it's kind of an old debate, but I never yeah. kind of figured out no. which side.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but but it was like setting Twitter on fire, and mm-hmm. and I can uh, I can say definitively. Polygon POS is not an L2. It's a side chain
0: okay. um,
1: because it doesn't inherit uh, Ethereum security. So, so it doesn't have like a mechanism like uh, fraud proofs or ZK proofs that basically guarantee that the operators of that chain can't steal funds from users. Mm. Um, in the future, it will have that mechanism. So it will have a ZK upgrade. And so um, there will be uh, this guarantee that's provided by Zero Knowledge Proofs that everything that occurs on the chain is a valid transaction. So the operator, the operators of the chain can't steal funds from users.
0: Ah. Is, is there uh, like an estimate on when Proof-of-Stake uh, Polygon will be upgraded? Or yeah, I don't it, know if upgrade is a word, but.
1: Yeah, so, so we're aiming for this year. Um, the, the that's a, It's a good timing for this question, because we just released um, a really big upgrade for the ZKBM that Enables a type one prover. So the, the, when I talk about type one or type two, that I'm referring to Vitalik's framework for classifying zkVMs uh, in terms of compatibility or equivalence with Ethereum. And so the really cool thing about a type one prover is we can take any EVM chain, whether it's an optimistic rollup, a side chain, an Altel one, even Ethereum itself, and we can just start generating zero knowledge proofs. Proving the validity of every transaction, so we don't need to like change the client or do a migration or anything. We can just immediately start generating zero knowledge proofs and upgrade these chains to a zk-powered chain. And mm-hmm. so, for us, like that's really important when we think about the POS chain and upgrading it so it can use so it can join the uh, the Aglayer and and this unified ecosystem that we're trying to build.
0: Super interesting. Um, okay, and before we we go any further, I think we we need to take a step back and and just um, you know describe zero knowledge proofs. Like we've you know mentioned uh, that it's a uh, this technology backing a lot of the development on Polygon. So why? What's so cool about it? Like why are why are so many layer twos using it?
1: Yeah, so it's really cool technology. Um, it allows you to prove that some computation occurred or, or that some output is the valid result of some computation uh, with a really, really small proof. And so the, this computation can be really big. Like, like you can imagine it as being like executing a billion transactions on Ethereum. And I can prove to you that the result of that execution, the, this, the resulting state of that ledger is valid without having you execute all of the transactions that occurred in that billion mm-hmm. transaction segment. And so this is really cool because uh, from Ethereum's perspective, Ethereum doesn't need to know what's going on on all these L2 chains. It can just accept a proof that everything that occurred on those chains is valid. Um, and, and it can, like in doing so, like basically bind the operators of those chains to only execute valid transactions. They can't uh, steal users' funds. They can't um, you know, create invalid transactions. Um, they're basically like cryptographically bound to only behave honestly. And so it's this really, really cool technology for, for scaling Ethereum. Um, I think it's just to like take a step back. It's a technology that's progressing and evolving really, really quickly. Mm-hmm. So uh, so Daniel Lubarov and I started this project called Demir back in 2019 and we were just trying to build a zk-powered l1 so uh, a chain that used uh, zero knowledge proofs to provide privacy and scalability and back then it was actually a really really scary thing because we had raised money and we had no idea if this technology was even going to be performant enough to enable like simple transfers so the idea that like the technology has progressed um, and we've been able to contribute a lot to its progression but uh, it's progressed so far that you can now generate proofs for the Ethereum mainnet. It's like a crazy thing that I think would have been like really mind-blowing at the time.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: but yeah, it's it's been like an interesting ride.
0: Very cool. Um, okay, so as you mentioned, you, uh, before Polygon, you were co-founder of Mir. Uh, and so... That was acquired by Polygon in uh, 2021, um, and so this team became uh, Polygon Zero. And you've been developing, uh, or you've had a large impact on on Polygon's Zero knowledge uh, d- technology, like the, the development behind uh, behind that. Um, and so. The, I guess like zero knowledge and optimism are the, the, the two main technologies behind layer twos. Just to, to wrap up the like the technical side of, of, of why this technology, um, How does it compare to, uh, to optimism? Like, what are the, the different trade-offs between the two? yeah so
1: so I think this is um i am I'm, I'm going to try really hard not to offend uh, anyone working on an optimistic rollout, <laughs> but I may fail, but um I think that the the really interesting- interesting thing about this technology and, and sort of the core difference is that when you're building on a technology that uses fraud proofs, you have this challenge period where uh it usually lasts seven days and it's basically this window of time where anyone can submit proof that uh, the the operator of the chain has behaved maliciously. So they, they can say, look, um, the operator of the chain uh, included this invalid transaction and they gave themselves a billion ETH. And we need to uh, inst- like reject that transaction and ensure that it doesn't finalize on Ethereum. And so when, when you look at optimistic rollups and ZK rollups, and when you look at a single chain, like you're comparing uh, a ZK rollup against an optimistic rollup, they look fairly similar. Like the transaction costs are, are, are pretty similar, if not identical. Um, you can, uh, with zk rollups, you can optimize on call data because you don't have to include signatures, uh, and so there, there are these like small optimizations that you can make. Um, but the the transaction fees that users are paying are roughly the same. Hmm. But the problem is, is that. Uh, no user wants to lock up their funds, lock up their like highly volatile crypto assets for seven days um, in order to withdraw them from the chain. And so they're forced to use third-party bridges in order to uh, quickly exit from optimistic rollups. And so if you think about like the cost that that imposes on users, like users are paying tens of millions of dollars in aggregate to exit optimistic rollups in like a time efficient way mm-hmm. and, and the uh, like they, their counterparties are taking duration risk by uh, locking funds for seven days in these bridges. Um, and so w- when you sort of like zoom out a little bit and you think about, okay, we don't just care about one chain, we care about like building a scalable ecosystem of chains that can accommodate the demand for block space across like, you know, a bunch of different L2s and different chains. Then in that model, it actually, like ZK has a huge advantage over optimistic rollups because like, we want to make this uh, ecosystem of many chains feel like using a single chain. And we can't do that if the latency for trustless bridging between those chains is seven days. Like we need a way to shrink it down so that it feels like instant, or it feels like, uh, you know, something that's more user-friendly than than uh, seven days, or e- even like 30 minutes or an hour. And so I, I think this is like the core advantage for ZK is like very, very fast, trustless bridging. Um, and that's it's a really important component of, of the ag layer and our, our vision for like taking this fragmented modular ecosystem and unifying it um, into one, into an environment where liquidity and state is shared.
0: OK, that's super helpful. Um, and then that's a good segue to the, the next topic I wanted to discuss, um, which is the aggregation layer. Uh, and um, you recently published a, a post detailing this vision. And it's super interesting, the two claims that you make. Um, in the beginning and there are no single chain whether L1 or L2 can support the throughput required to reach internet scale which you know super interesting claim because that's what m- most L1s are trying to achieve so they're saying that you're saying that that can't happen and then uh, scaling blockchains means scaling access to liquidity and shared state. Adding block space via multiple chains doesn't work if it fragments liquidity, which is basically what we've seen is happening with so many layer twos, uh, you know, springing up. So uh, just you know, starting there. If you could, uh, you know, dive deeper into these claims, like why? Why do you think? um, What do you mean when you when you make them?
1: Yeah, sure. So I, I think the first claim is against, is targeting the monolithic view of scaling. And so mm-hmm. the monolithic view says, uh, what we need is just a super, super high performance chain. And that's how we're going to satisfy demand for block space um, for the foreseeable future. And I think that if we are optimists and, and we believe that crypto is going to grow, uh, you know, by orders of magnitude in the future, then those two worldviews are not consistent because I don't think that you can run the internet on a single computer or a single data center. And likewise, you can't, like there will always be bottlenecks and sort of contention for shared resources like bandwidth or compute or storage that make running a crypto ecosystem that's grown by a hundred or a thousand X infeasible on a single chain. And so that's like meant to be a challenge to the monolithic view of the world and the monolithic view of scaling. The second claim is basically saying that when we talk about scalability, like we really mean scaling access to liquidity and to shared state. We can create, like you said, we we can create a bunch of different chains and we can create all the block space that we want. But if uh, liquidity is fragmented across those chains, if we can't easily move like users and state between those chains, we haven't really uh, achieved what we set out to do, which is to like, broaden access to liquidity and to shared state to many, many users. Um, and so with those two claims, it's supposed to suggest that like this, uh, this disagreement between the modular and the monolithic view of the world, like neither is really sufficient to get us to uh, internet scale crypto. And we need sort of a third approach that we, we call the aggregated blockchain thesis but is designed to basically take a modular ecosystem, one where you have many chains, and scale access to liquidity and shared state across those chains. And so, so you can have this, um, the system that scales horizontally, where you can always add block space to meet demand, but you're not giving up uh, the unified state and liquidity that, that we have on, on a single monolithic chain. If you haven't already considered building your next smart contract in Rust, you gotta have a look at Sorobon, you can migrate your existing Solidity Smart Contracts over to Soroban, and we'll show you how. You can also get funding for your projects. There's a $100 million adoption fund just to drive the adoption of Soroban, so you can help build the ecosystem and potentially qualify for grant awards up to $150,000. You can visit us now at soroban.stellar.org to learn
0: more. Technically, how how does this work without, you know, if you can avoid as much jargon as possible, like explaining it very simply, how would this aggregation layer work?
1: Yeah. So, so stop me if I get too, too jargony. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the, the basic way that I look at it is you need two ingredients for unified liquidity, right? You need fungibility of tokens. So you need to be able to move assets across chains, and not have this phenomenon that we have now with third-party bridges, where you move uh, like ETH from chain A to chain B, and on chain B, uh, you get like wormhole wrapped ETH or some like wrapped synthetic mm-hmm. version of that token. So we need fungibility of assets across our ecosystem of chains. The second thing that we need is super, super low latency cross-chain composability, whether asynchronous or synchronous. And so the ag layer is really targeted at providing these two things. So it uses a unified bridge to provide fungibility and it ensures that that unified bridge is safe. Like you can't have a misbehaving chain uh, drain the entire bridge. Like we we know that like we have this cryptographic guarantee that we can have fungibility across chains and the like sort of overall collateralization of the system is guaranteed and, and safe. The second thing that the AgLayer provides is it provides this foundation of safety for cross-chain, uh, like low latency communication. So right now, if I want to go from like one rollup, like one ZK rollup on Ethereum to another, and I want to do it trustlessly. I need to go through Ethereum. So I need to like submit my transaction on chain A. I wait, you know, maybe five minutes for a proof to be generated. I uh, withdraw to Ethereum. So I, I wait another 12 minutes um, for that uh, block on Ethereum to be finalized and then I can deposit. And so the the core of the ag layer is, uh, is providing safety for lower latency interaction on the order of a few seconds between chains. And so it basically says, okay, we are going to ensure that it's impossible. It's like cryptographically uh, impossible for a chain to rely on the state of another chain that's invalid or equivocated or not consistent. And so like chain B can't accept a message or a transfer from chain A that's based on an invalid state of chain A. Um, And so there there are basically like two levels or, or yeah, two components to the ag layer. The first is this like ZK guarantee of safety. And the second is sort of these like emergent coordination mechanisms that exist on top of the Aglayer that actually facilitate interoperability between chains. So these could be like shared sequencers or relays or builders that allow chains to navigate trade-offs between liveness and low latency. But fundamentally, all chains enjoy this guarantee of safety that's provided by the ZK um, component of the Aglayer.
0: OK. So, I mean, does it work like a bridge? Like, do you send, say, okay, say you you want to transfer uh, ETH from uh, Rollup A to Rollup B, you would instead send that uh, send that ETH via the Ag layer. Um, and how, how, I mean, how w- would that work?
1: Yeah, so so we, we have a bridge that's unified across chains that we call the LXLY bridge. and so LXLY? Yeah, LXLY. So instead of L2, okay. L1, it could be L2, L2. Oh, or
0: okay. L1, L2,
1: so it's just LXLY. Um, and uh, so so the nice thing is, like, if, I, if you have ETH on, like, like, let's say you have ETH on chain A, and you want to swap it to USDC on chain B and mm-hmm. send it back to chain A, you can initiate that transaction on chain A, and even before chain A and chain B generate proofs, they can rely on a shared sequence or a relay that's, that's crypto-economically crypto secured. And uh, that relay can pass a message from chain A to chain B. And so it can say, okay, Kami uh, uh, took 10 ETH, she's sending it to chain B, she wants to swap it and then send it back to chain A. And so chain B can say, okay, I know that um, there's a possibility that chain A won't generate a proof or they've generated an, an invalid block. But I have this this relay that's running a full node for Chain A and is saying, okay, I'm, I'm crypto economically secured with hundreds of millions of dollars staked. And I'm telling you that uh, this transaction happened. And so as Chain B, if I choose to trust that, I can immediately start generating a block even before a proof is generated for Chain A. And I, I know that I have this guarantee that um, I'm committing to the claimed state of chain A so that when I submit a proof and when chain A submits a proof to the ag layer, the ag layer does what's called proof aggregation. So it takes all of these proofs for all these different blocks that are occurring on the polygon ecosystem and it aggregates them into a single proof. And that proof is checking that, okay, chain B claims that the state of chain A is this. If the the actual state that chain A submitted is different, then I'm, I'm going to uh, prevent chain B from finalizing, and it's going to have to like revise its block. And so th- this is obviously not a great thing if there's like a 30 second or 15 second reorg, um, but the shared sequencer or the, or the relay that chain B relied on would be slashed. Um, there's a small amount of, uh, of liveness uh, fault that chain B uh, needs to deal with, but fundamentally, uh it's impossible for chain b to uh, to rely on an invalid state of chain a and be finalized to ethereum and so chains get to like navigate these trade offs between um, being able to offer really really low, low latency to their users and like navigating the risk of of liveness issues
0: so you it's like the the transaction you can kind of bypass ethereum via this bridge um, and you, you get to kind of initiate the transaction without waiting for, for Ethereum. Um, but then you still have to, even if you start the transaction, you still have to wait for, um, for, for the, for chain A and for Ethereum to confirm that everything is okay before chain B can actually, uh, receive the funds.
1: So so sort of, it, it depends on your trust assumption. So chain B can immediately start building blocks uh, if it believes that the relay is un- unlikely to, to be acting maliciously. It can immediately start building blocks um, that depend on the message that it received from chain A. Mm-hmm. But I think it depends on the user, like what level of confirmation you're relying on. So okay. you, you know that like if you're going to buy a Lamborghini or a house or something, then you should wait the like two minutes for all of the proofs uh, for the proof from chain A and the proof from chain B to be aggregated and then posted to Ethereum. Because you know that in that case, it's impossible. Even if the ag layer misbehaves, even if like every relay misbehaves, if chain A and chain B misbehave, it's impossible for that transaction to be rolled back. And so I think it depends, like like many things in Ethereum and and in like optimistic rollups and ZK rollups, like what level of certainty and what level of guarantee you want to rely on. Like like a lot of users now, when they're using optimistic or ZK rollups, they rely on just the pre-confirmation from the sequencer. So before even the transaction is posted to Ethereum or before uh, the fraud proof period has has, uh, elapsed or before there's a ZK proof that's posted to Ethereum, and so this is like a similar situation where like users and chains can pick the level of certainty and the guarantee that makes sense for them in their use cases.
0: Got it. Okay. Um, and so this ag layer would be useful for connecting all of the different Ethereum layer to rollups, or is it something you know that's broader that can connect even n- non-Ethereum EVM chains?
1: So it's actually something that's a little bit narrower because you have oh. to like opt into the Aglair. Mm. But the, the nice thing is that with the type one prover, even if you're currently an optimistic rollup or if you're an l one or, or some other EVM chain, you can immediately join the Aglair and start participating in the LXOY bridge.
0: Okay.
1: And so the, the, this is like a really cool thing because like we have all this state and liquidity that's fragmented. Across a bunch of optimistic rollups and uh, and l ones and side chains, and so the uh, the nice thing is that with the Type One, they can seamlessly upgrade to to become CK
0: rollups. So you have to opt in, but any um, any Ethereum rollup and any EVM chain can opt in.
1: Yeah, exactly, and and, and there are no restrictions like like in other L2 ecosystems. There's like revenue sharing, or there are restrictions on the clients that you can use, or you sort of have to respect governance. Um, and for Polygon, like there are no restrictions. You can use whatever client you want. You can use whatever sequencer or sequencing mechanism you want, um, whatever token for staking or governance or gas. Um, it's just like, you, if you're like, like like our thesis is if you're bringing economic value to the ecosystem, that's a win-win because the. The Polygon ecosystem gets to uh, take advantage of whatever uh, NFT mint you're you're running on your chain, or whatever game or uh, DeFi primitive, and, and vice versa. You get to take advantage as a chain of the existing liquidity and users uh, and activity that's already happening in the Polygon ecosystem.
0: How is this maintained? Like, is it um, I don't know, like a similar to a proof of stake where you have like a bunch of validators securing this or like who who's behind it
1: yeah good question so so uh the first version will just be running on a single server and then we'll decentralize um so that uh it like the proof aggregation and uh accepting transaction or accepting uh blocks and proofs will be run by um by polygon stakers um and so I think that the the important thing to to emphasize here is that like you don't as a user or as a chain or as a developer, you, you don't need to trust this service. Um, it just exists to like perform this function for the ecosystem, which is proof aggregation and posting those proofs to Ethereum, but it can't misbehave and sort of steal funds or, or like equivocate to chains or, or, or do anything except um, you know, yeah, there, there, there there's no like, uh, attack vector that, that this, uh, exposes.
0: So you're not, you're not sending funds to ag layer. Like it's not handling any user funds. It's performing the service of, um, of like validating proofs.
1: Yeah, but validating but but also aggregating. So, so when I mean, we talk about aggregating, it's it's like uh you're creating a new proof that verifies two other proofs. So so you take two proofs and you basically like compress them into a single proof. And so we can do this recursively to take like a bunch of different proofs into uh, and compress it into a single proof that we post to Ethereum.
0: Okay. Um, but but again, it's not handling any any funds.
1: Yeah, it's completely non-custodial. It can't misbehave. It can't steal funds from chains.
0: Okay, um, at what stage of development is it? Like, when can we expect to see it live?
1: Yeah. So, so the first, uh, the first like baby step or milestone is launching the LXOY bridge. So the unified bridge that connects CDK chains, mm-hmm. and this will be really cool because it will. Uh, Give the uh, the fungibility property that we that we care about. So if you have ETH on uh, Polygon zkVM um, and you want to move it to the OKX chain, you'll be able to get ETH immediately on the OKX chain. You won't get like zkVM wrapped ETH. Um, the downside is that all of the interactions will still rely on Ethereum, so it will be slow. Like there, there will be a lot of latency and cross chain interaction. So over the, the coming months, we're going to be building out the proof aggregation and the um, sort of that underlying mechanism for safety so that chains can actually start to rely on shared sequencers and uh, relays and builders. And so, like for us, we, we view our role as providing that like ZK foundation for safety. And then we're relying on a lot of other amazing projects throughout the ecosystem to actually build the shared sequencers and the relays and sort of all this like coordination infrastructure that uh, that will allow chains to interoperate at really low latency.
0: How does this look like when, once it, it's working, all the pieces are in place? How does it look like for the end user?
1: Yeah, so I think that a really important component of this is like building UI and wallet infrastructure that kind of abstracts away the individual chains. So So the goal is like, you could have your chain, your funds on some like super low fee Validium chain and like you don't even know where in the like aggregated block space of the polygon ecosystem you are but you know that like if you want to uh, swap on uniswap or you want to like claim a mint or play a game you can access that with your funds seamlessly like you, you don't need to worry about like okay i need to like go to wormhole or go to stargate and then Bridge to this chain, and then I need to be able to get ETH that's native to that chain. Like, all of that will just be, uh, like, first of all, you don't need to use third party bridges within the Polygon mm-hmm. system. You, tokens are fungible. But actually, like, getting your funds between chains would be, uh, like, completely transparent to the user.
0: So I'm trying to think, like, I don't know, like a specific dApp that uses, I don't know, that uses Polygon. Um, in, in, I mean, in in general, yeah, like the, the there's this friction, right? When when using polygon based or any layer two based application, where um, yeah, maybe you know you have a little bit of money in in that chain in in your wallet, and then you're performing some sort of um, action that requires you to have maybe another token or maybe you need uh, to buy uh, you, you need more money to do something um and that whole you know going maybe back to your ethereum wallet to to transfer that um those tokens back it's it's a huge pain so the idea would be to make that more seamless like you'd be able to uh, simply you know make that that transfer without going through any any bridges or maybe even just like grab, like seemingly just like grab the tokens from from a wallet that includes all of your tokens, no matter what chain they're on. I mean, that would be ideal for me.
1: Yeah, for, for me too. Um, uh, yeah, so so I, I think that's the end goal. I, I think that there are basically like three steps. So, so first is like building the foundation of safety that we call the eye glare. The second mm-hmm. is like, building the coordination infrastructure and mechanisms that allow chains to, like, do super, super fast, uh, low latency composability. And third, I, I think, which is equally as important, is actually implementing this on, in wallets so that we can, like, change how users think about their interactions with chains. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, the problem, obviously, today is, like, you can't do that because... Um, like you need to make you need to expose to the users the security trade offs that they're making. Like the fact that they're holding like some wrap ETH that's uh that's like tied to this bridge that could be compromised. Like we, mm-hmm. we, we can't get around that right now. But with the ag layer, with the unified bridge, I, I think it really opens up the design space so that we can do something close to what you're describing, where you don't have to think about or reason about um like where in block space your your funds are.
0: Yeah. I think, yeah, hopefully we can get to that place where you just have one crypto wallet and all your tokens are there and you have one ETH, not like 10 different types of ETH. Um, And if you're in a game and you need to swap ETH for whatever in-game token, you can just do that in seconds without having to go through any sort of bridge. Um, or, you know, if you want to sell, uh, USDC and, and maybe buy Bitcoin or like some other chain token, you can that, that, I mean, when, when will that happen?
1: (laughs) Uh, I I mean, I I hope soon, like we're, we're, we're definitely really hard at work on Mm -hmm. making it happen as soon as, as soon as possible. Um, but I think that like. It, at least within Polygon, we, we at least feel like we can like sort of glimpse how to get there. I think mm. in a way that is sort of sane and, and makes sense. And so I, I think that we're really optimistic that it will be, you know, it's, it's not going to be in the next few months, but it will be sooner than people think of.
0: Make your trades go further with Matcha, the DEX aggregator from 0x. Get the best prices on swaps with smart order routing and over 5 million tokens at your fingertips tap into more than 120 dexes at once for the best value in DeFi and trade cross-chain for free across seven networks. And with Matcha Auto, MEV protection will save you money as your trades settle quicker through private market makers. Trade on Matcha today. So this is just for uh, EVM chains that that opt in, um, which would include, you know, huge ecosystems like well I mentioned Bitcoin, Solana, mm-hmm. other you know, non-EVM chains. What do you think um, the 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 pathway looks like for for those chains and, and for the entire blockchain ecosystem? I mean how do you think um, it can evolve? Like if if this infrastructure or this architecture really does take off and it's all the EVM chains opting in and there's a lot of liquidity and interoperability. Um, does that mean that non-EVM chains that don't you know work with the system will they do you think that they just you know become less less relevant, or do you see a way of just like connecting all of these different EVM and non-EVM chains?
1: Yeah, I think that's a good question. I I think my personal view is that EVM is where we start, but it's not where we finish. And someone uh, the other day said this thing that I really like that like ZK allows us to take all of these different execution environments, all these like heterogeneous uh, VMs, and project them down to Ethereum. So, so like with ZK, we can imagine connecting. Like Solana or some different VM, or, or like building custom VMs that work really, really well for specific app chains like Dexes, um, and like from the perspective of Ethereum or the Ag layer, they, they don't need to know what's going on in those chains. They, they only need to know that there's a zk proof and that it's uh, you know presumably ensuring that all transactions in those chains are valid, um, and so that like. That advancement in ZK tech would allow us to uh, branch out beyond the EVM into like different execution environments while still maintaining compatibility and composability with the EVM.
0: Is that like some really f- far out dream or or do you think that's something that can more imminently happen?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting question. I um, so, so one thing that we, like my team is hyper focused on uh, at Polygon Zero is um, trying to push the underlying state-of-the-art in ZK Tech further. Um, and so we have this library. We, we released this library called Plonky2, which at the time was like this groundbreaking performance improvement. And we are really hard at work on Plonky3. And the cool thing about working in an open source ecosystem is that other people use your work and build on it. And so this team, this really talented ZK team uh, called succinct released um uh what's called SP1, which is a ZK VM that runs on, it uses Plucky 3 as the underlying proving system, but it allows you to take Rust code and to compile it to run in ZK. And so th- this is like a really cool step for imagining like how we would take these different execution environments like Solana or um, like Move or, or, you know, building custom uh, execution environments for app chains and how we would uh, add ZK um, tech to allow us to generate proofs for them. So I think like we still have a ways to go in terms of efficiency, um, but I, I definitely think that we, we can like have a, a fairly high degree of, of certainty that um, this will happen in the future and it will be pretty performant.
0: Very cool. Um, so, you know, like as as you're explaining all of these things, it, it, it feels like there's just a lot of l- Complexity, just like many layers and upon layers of um, of tech that needs to be built, of chains that users need to go through, and in that sense, the um, argument for a monolithic chain is is kind of attractive. You know, it's uh, this uh, idea that you know we're building a single chain that's super fast, super performant, that can. Scale to support a billion transactions or whatever you know that that can be you know the thing that supports uh, the financial system and the internet. Um, I mean, what what do you what do you say to that argument? I know you said that that can't happen, but you know, there's a lot of people who say that it can, um, and at the same time, I don't know, like this this future where you're relying on so many different layers and technologies and, and things sounds a bit risky. So, mm. I, I don't know, do you think it, it can, it, it, do you think there's no way that a monolithic s- uh, system can work and how do you mitigate all those uh, risks?
1: Yeah, so I think, I, I, and I'll try not to get like too spicy and, and offend anyone, but- Get
0: spicy, it's uh, fine. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, but, uh, so, so the way that I look at it is, like there's an analogy which is um, it, it would be like if we tried to run the entire internet on a single computer. And so I, I think that there are two issues with that. So so first, um, I do think that there are just inherent scalability limitations that we will run into on monolithic chains. Um, that, that They're just limits in like bandwidth and uh, like the amount of memory that we have access to and um, like the cost of replicating state across uh, a bunch of different machines. Um, but even if you deny that, I think that there's just this inherent problem with monolithic chains, which is that they host, like, there There are a lot of applications in crypto that have very, very different requirements for uh, functionality and for security and for decentralization. And with a monolithic chain, you're basically forcing all of those applications to contend for resources and for block space. And so you have um, uh, the ability, you you have composability across this chain, but like, does uh, an AMM or uh, a club need to uh, compose directly with a game that people are playing? Like, probably not. There's probably some degree of like asynchrony or latency that we can accept um, uh, between like super, super high value DeFi applications and, uh, like games. And so, um, and so, so I think like, if we, if we want to accept, uh, like heterogeneous requirements for applications, then like a modular ecosystem works. Uh, and and like obviously I I believe very strongly that we shouldn't be relying on a single chain and, and, and like nothing that we've seen suggests that we can scale a single chain to, you know, three or four orders of magnitude higher throughput. Um, and so, so that's what I would say. I, I, I do think like, as I, as we're describing this, as we're sort of like building out the conceptual framework to think about the ag layer and, uh, like ZK powered ecosystems of blockchains, um, it sounds like there's a lot of complexity, but, uh, I think that there, like, you know, there, there are ways that we can sort of mitigate that complexity that we can make it, uh, opaque to users that, that we can sort of, create a good user experience even as we navigate um, some of the technical challenges on the back end
0: yeah I, I hope so and beyond you know making it um, abstracting it from from users uh, I, I assume even if you abstracted there there's still you know the 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 greater the number of systems that you're relying on the greater the risk right like if something um, fails down down the line you know, you're you're now trusting that there's, you know, that all of the chains that you're using to make one transaction, uh, behave. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's that's kind of the, I don't know, the, the, the thing that m- makes me a little bit, I don't know, uh, n- not worried, but I, I think that's that's kind of maybe that would be a concern if if I'm, you know, for every transaction I make having to rely on on three different chains.
1: Yeah. I, I think that's fair, but but I think conversely, is it better to rely on a single chain that might go down and take everything down? And so, yeah,
0: that's a good point.
1: I think that the, like there there are definitely trade-offs. and, and mm-hmm. I think that like as an ecosystem, we just need to figure out and solve these like core engineering problems around like how we guarantee reliability and uptime across many different chains. Like I I, I do think that it's easier. To think about maintaining and running chains that have like lower than you know a million TPS throughput, and so Mm -hmm. like I do think that there's some sense in which we're able to um, to kind of make like break those big problems down into something that's more manageable in in the modular approach.
0: Right. No, that that makes a lot of sense. Um, And now talking about. Uh, use cases you're at the forefront of scaling what do you think will be the application that brings in the next wave of users
1: yeah so i'm maybe not the best person to ask about this because i (laughs) i feel like in when you when you're building infra it's really easy to take the uh the position that you know if we build it they will come and that some brilliant developer somewhere is is going to make this amazing application, and um, and will sort of like justify all this like hard work and effort that we're putting into into scaling. Um, I will say, like, just on a personal level, I think that there are two things that are pretty cool. I think that like seeing more of this interplay between Web three and Web two, um, and so that's like uh, like there's this really cool project that's zkP2P that's doing a, they're verifying DKIM proofs. So you're able to like verify that something like basically a Venmo transaction occurred so you can uh, get around this on-ramping problem where right now you have to go through an exchange or something. Um, I think that similarly, like like Forecaster is a way that uh, we, we can put like some state on-chain, but we can replicate sort of a Web2 experience by having a lot of the state off-chain. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so I think like seeing... Instances in which crypto is like either replacing or augmenting uh, the existing web, I think is a really, really cool um, like set of use cases and, and category. Um, I also think that like privacy preserving exchanges. So there's this project called Penumbra that's doing something that like actually is impossible in TradFi, which is like, you can have privacy preserving trades that, um, that even uh, like the operator of the exchange can't see who's trading what or like how you're transacting. And so I think that that's something that's really cool because it's something that like fundamentally doesn't exist in TradFi.
0: So you think it'll be financial applications, uh, the thing that continues to bring in uh, people to crypto?
1: I think so. I mean, I think like it, it's tough to get away from the fact that, uh, like the underlying utility is financial and like the underlying innovation is basically permissionless financial transactions. And so,
0: um, mm, totally.
1: yeah, I mean, for, for me, that that's like the big thing, but I do think that, you know, there, there's, there are ways to like use crypto to to get around rent seeking monopolists and Web2 and that's like a cool thing if, if it can work.
0: Nice, okay. And then t- to wrap up, um, what are, you know, some of the major milestones that your team and, and, and Polygon more broadly are working towards, like what should we expect from a Polygon in the coming months?
1: Yeah, so, so the initial uh, V0.1 of the ag layer, which was the unified bridge, um, that's coming later this month. Um, and so that's really exciting. And mm-hmm. then um, obviously we, we spoke a little bit about the type one prover, but seeing that power chains um, and also taking of the innovation and breakthroughs that we made in developing the type one prover and applying them to existing like the polygon zkvm and uh, continuing to boost throughput uh, and performance of cdk chains i think would be really
0: cool awesome brendan thank you so much for taking the time Uh, super interesting and really yeah clarified the the kind of bigger vision of a polygon really well uh and yeah this this concept of the uh, ag layer, as well. Um, if if it does lead to uh, a, a more simpler user experience, uh, I'm all for it. I hope it, it comes sooner rather than later, <laughs> because right now it's a bit painful. Um, but yeah, again, like thanks for joining me. Uh, amazing to uh, talk with kind of the the brains uh, behind Polygon CK. Yeah,
1: thanks for having me, Kevin It was really fun.